Uh, Let's pray. Dear Father God, we praise you and we thank you for uh, bringing us together this day. Lord, thank you for giving us such a wonderful time of worship together today. Lord, thank you for creating us in your image. Lord, thank you for creating us as creative beings. Uh, Lord, as we go through the journey of this class Uh, teach us, teach our minds, teach our hearts, uh, and remind us of your gospel, how you have saved us, uh, and, and the kingdom you are calling us towards. We pray this in Christ's name, through whom we are saved. Amen. Imagine, if you will, that you're sitting around a fire. Uh, Imagine that you're around a big stone fireplace and an even larger stone building. We're at Whitby Abbey on the northeast coast of England in about the 7th century. People of all shapes and sizes are gathered around the fire and they're singing. They're telling stories. Most of them are the brothers and sisters of the Abbey, the monastics, uh, who, who, have, who have been here and and have created this center of culture, a center of mission in this community. But right now, here they are around the fire, and they're singing songs. And they've got a harp, a lyre, really. And, and that lyre is being passed around uh, brother to brother to brother to sister, and everything, and everyone's got a song that they can sing. Also around that fire, there's, there's a man, there's a cow herder named Cademan. He's a lay brother of the Abbey. And uh, it's his job to tend their cattle. And he, and he loves, he loves hearing the songs of the people, hearing the gospel be sung. And yet, as the harp gets closer and closer to him, he gets fidgety. He gets up to say, I'm, I'm, I'm really beat. I, I, I need to turn in for the night. Or... Or, uh, I've got to take care of the cows bright and early in the morning. He leaves. But whatever the excuse he always gives, it's not the real reason he leaves. Cademan, as everyone knows, has no song. It breaks his heart. Cademan is poor. 
uneducated. He doesn't know any words or music that's been passed down over the centuries. He doesn't know, he's never been trained how to sing. But the gospel preached and lived out by the brothers and sisters at Whitby has caught his heart and he yearns to create something of beauty for God. But one night, after, after leaving the circle of songs, Cademan falls asleep and has a dream. In it, he's approached by a man who beckons him to sing the beginning of creation. The, be, the beginning of created things. I can't sing, replies Cademan. But then, in words he has not thought beforehand, he begins to sing. And it's been passed down to us like so. Now we must honor the guardian of heaven, the might of the architect and his purpose, the work of the father of glory, as he, the eternal Lord, established the beginning of wonders. He first created for the children of men heaven as a roof, the holy creator, then the guardian of mankind, the eternal Lord, afterward appointed the middle earth, the lands for men, the Lord Almighty. Cateman remembered all of the song when he woke up. He, he reported his experiences to a steward and then to Hilda, who was the abbess of the abbey at the time. And she had a team of her scholars to evaluate this seemingly remarkable new gift that, that Cademan had. He was invited to turn more of the sacred doctrines into song. After a while, he was invited to take monastic vows, and, and he did, and, and, was, and became a prolific poet. He was educated and continued to write until his dying day, about 30 days later. Only one hymn of his survives, that original hymn. Uh, and yet that, being written in Anglo-Saxon, uh, establishes him as the first recorded Anglo-Saxon poet. This is a monument to Cademan uh, that sits in St. Mary's Church churchyard uh, in Whitby to this day. Now, poetry isn't new to us. Songs are not new to us. Singing songs, telling stories around a fire is not new to us. It's something as old as we've been on this planet. We create and we share. In, in this class, we'll discover why creating and sharing 
art, and story are so much a part of our DNA as human beings. So, so much a part of being creators made in the image of a creative being. Now, we are not obviously the same as God. We are, uh, uh, but being made in his image carries with us a, uh, a spark of creativity that he has used for his glory from the very beginning of time. And next week, we will start going through this. We will start in Genesis 1, which uh, you and so great, greatly read as our first lesson today. We will start there and start moving through the Bible. Uh, the Bible will be our, the Bible and theology will be about our first two to three weeks, uh, just studying how, uh, how both our creation and God's image, but also our fall, uh, the fact that we and all of creation has been stained by sin. And yet, how Christ's redemption of us and his calling us to his kingdom also plays into how we process things as artists, as art appreciators. Christians have made a lot of art over the centuries, but also the world makes art a lot of art. And yet there is something about even the art of the outside world. Through beauty, through creativity, through, through elements of the stories that we see. Stories of redemption, of sacrifice, that remind us of the story that we are in. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story of my own to give you sort of the background of where we're going here. I've been an artist and storyteller as long as I can remember. Seriously, my, my grandparents have drawings stored up. Uh, that I did when I was three years old. I was in art lessons by the time I was six years old. I, uh, throughout high school, I, I went to regional uh, art shows. Uh, my work was, was always uh, in school publications and everything. It was... It was very much a part of who I saw myself as my identity. I was also a storyteller. Probably the only thing I was longer than I was a visual artist was a storyteller. I, I remember telling stories with my great aunt who would keep, keep me during the days so when I was two, three, four years old. I don't even remember the first one. 
uh, all the way through when I, when I was in middle school. Uh, I went on this kick of creating lots, lots of ghost stories. Uh, <laughs> uh, blame R.L. Stein's Goosebump books and a bunch of local legends for that. And then I also got involved in theater. Middle and high school, I was involved in theater. Anything I could dabble in creatively, I felt like I, I did. And then something, something broke. When I was in college, I, and, and during, during my high school years, I would say I came to own my faith. And even, even that was artistically related. I was a huge fan of music from the 60s and 70s. Uh, still am. <laughs> uh, uh, the Who and Pink Floyd and so many other bands from, from that era were just my thing. Meanwhile, as I said, I was in theater. So it probably came as no surprise uh, that I might find my way back to the gospel, which I had not been in church for years at that point, through a rock opera, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, which somehow prompted me to pick up a Bible. Uh, I did and became fascinated uh, took some classes, some release time courses, uh, since I had open electives at my high school, and then, and then went to college as an art major. I was still set on this becoming uh, you know, the end goal of my life. But as I said, something broke. I, I had done a two-wall mural at a business in my hometown during my senior year of high school. And during, uh, during my freshman year of college, as I was drawing nonstop, I was exhausted from how much I was drawing for my classes and everything, I... I came home one weekend and I drove past that business where I had spent almost six months doing this two-wall mural. And I saw a, uh, a drive-through window <laughs> uh, in the wall of the building where, where that mural had been. And it suddenly hit me. This, this was disposable. Everything that I had worked towards was a waste of time. I didn't create another piece of art after that semester was done for five years. I, I dropped my major. I realized that I, 
enjoyed teaching the Bible as well. Uh, that became more of a focus of my life. And eventually, after college, I came to seminary. That's what brought me to Louisville. It's what uh, I, um, got me involved with Southern Seminary. And then I learned after I moved up here that Southern had created a focus, a master's focus on, on uh, Christianity and the arts. And so um, and so I uh, started sort of dabbling in those classes. It's like I wasn't sure where I was in my identity as an artist. I, I got where I was as a Christian by this point, you know. <laughs> I I got where I was as, um, in, in, you know, in the grand scheme of things, and I felt clearly called towards ministry, but there was this whole side of my personality that I had sort of pushed off. It's like I, that, yeah, yeah, I have, I have these talents, but there's, they're a waste of time. There's something that, uh, that are, completely disposable, I need to focus on something practical. But what I learned in those classes uh, was basically that art was not a waste of my time. It's a waste of time by worldly standards, for sure. Uh, it serves no util utilitarian purpose. It, uh, it, is, it is something that, you know, is not uh, engineered. Well, there's architecture, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, and, and yet it is something that so thoroughly uh, reflects our creativity and uh, so and and gets channeled through so much of who we are as as worshipers and so in in this class, I hope to to bring some of that experience. Uh, a lot of uh, who we uh, who we are, who we were made to be. Also, you know who we are because of our brokenness, uh, but also who we are being uh, uh, being redeemed. How that redeems the things of our lives. And also how, how that calls us and shows us pictures uh, of, of what we're going towards, of the kingdom that God is calling us into. So I'm going to show you an outline of where we're headed really quick.
So the first, the first two to three weeks of the class are going to be a theology of creation. This is where we're going to dig deep into the Bible. Uh, we are going to explore uh, from, uh, from our next session onward, we are going to ex- explore uh, the various themes of creation in the Bible. We're going to explore the art of the Bible because it is so, uh, you know, it is a work in and of itself. The books of the Bible, the genres of the Bible are works of art in and of themselves. We'll explore uh, the art in the Bible uh, through the lens of uh, the various works of art created by people in the Bible. Uh, and, uh, and we will uh, tie all these things together uh, with, with a, a kingdom focus of, uh, of New Testament theology of redemption and the kingdom. After that, and all of this stuff will flood into each other because you can't separate them. But we will go through the history of how Christianity has engaged with the arts over time. From from the earliest centuries, the first elements of Christian art and iconography we have, you know, from the little uh, ichthus fish that uh, we now see on the back of everyone's car, uh, uh, to the very first depictions of Bible scenes, the very, uh, the very first depictions of Jesus as a shepherd, as a king. Uh, we will... We will go through the Middle Ages, see how the visual arts developed, how uh, the literary arts developed, and, and how uh, art in the church led uh, both to a lot of the beauty we still see in art today, as well as problems uh, that eventually caused great divisions and great battles within the church. Uh, there are two periods of time where it really gets explosive. And then we'll move out of, of that and, and see how, how during the Reformation, the, the theology brought about you know, through, through the Reformers started shaping the different ways things were depicted. Why do Protestants not have Jesus on, on our crosses? Why, why do Catholics usually have Jesus on the cross? Why, uh, why uh, do some, some churches have depictions in big stained glass windows? Others have completely bare white sanctuaries with, with some of them not even a cross. We'll get to the theological roots of all this 
uh, as well as explore how in the rest of culture, everything, uh, everything was being theologically informed uh, uh, through... Uh, Uh, how everything from from music to uh, to poetry uh, to music uh, was being shaped by the theology and the culture uh, of the age. Finally, uh, and and we'll take that all the way into the twentieth century, twenty uh, first, really, and then we will. Uh, pick up the themes both both of the theology of creation and uh, and build on the history of Christianity and the art by saying, well, how do we act as creators uh, and art appreciators today and what what if you know what if I'm not an artistic person. How, how does this affect me? Uh, uh, what, uh, what do I do as, as an engineer? Or, uh, or you know, uh, some other you know, very STEM-related job. Uh, how, how, does, how does this... Uh, theology of creation, of redemption, of art appreciation. How does how does that affect me, and uh, how can um, how can we carry this forward? So, um, so that's the basic overview of the class. Um, finally. Uh, Disclaimer, <laughs> uh, and you can probably tell. It's been a few years since I've taught a class. I have taught before <laughs> um, a great deal, but uh, we are starting this class in, in a time of year where I experience a tremendous amount of anxiety. Uh, Wintertime is usually a time where I struggle a lot. So, you know, that I'm uh, a little bit anxious, stumbling over my words the first class or two is probably going to be par for the course. That will get better. Um, but that also plays very much into the themes we'll be hitting on. Our inadequacy as human beings, the fact that we are stained by sin. We are stained by the brokenness of our current world. And yet, uh, God pours himself into us through Jesus uh, and, and makes something so remarkably beautiful. One of the, uh, one of the writers we will hit on a lot is a Japanese artist named Makoto Fujimura. I just finished uh, his, his latest book, Art and Faith, and it 
completely reshaped this class. Uh, I almost just said, oh, well, I'll just go on this. But uh, we're not going to do that. This, uh, we're going to be more expansive. But one of the things he talks about is, uh, is a practice uh, in Japanese art of when a, uh, when a bowl or a piece of pottery is, is broken, Some, something that can be done is, is it is mended using gold. Gold is poured into those cracks. And so it comes out an even more beautiful work of art than had it never been broken. And, and that just, when I was reading that, it, it shook me. It blew, it blew my mind. And yet, what a wonderful picture of the gospel that is, that, that somehow, through our brokenness, uh, God comes in. He redeems us through the blood of Christ and, and draws us into that new creation that is even more beautiful than what came before. So uh, we've got about eh, seven minutes. If anyone has any uh, questions about this class, uh, where, where we're going to go with it, uh, some of the things uh, we pick up or anything you'd like to know uh, 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 as, as we go through this class. Anything you'd like us to pick up. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, I, I will... Uh, uh, one disclaimer for me is that of, of the arts... Um, excluding dance. I know practically nothing about dance. Uh, music is the one I am least experienced with, both as far as music history goes. I know some things. Um, uh, and I took about four months of voice lessons once, but, uh, but music is, is the art that I am least experienced with, but I know some big, you know, points in there. As far as visual art goes, the, the reason um, uh, this class is happening when it is, is, is that I needed to be on this side of the room for the duration of this class, because we are going to look at a lot of slides. Uh, a lot of pieces of art over the centuries. This is the least we will ever use, uh, use the PowerPoint. And I did, I, I constructed today based on the fact I wasn't sure we could get it to work with my computer uh, in time. Uh, and, so, and so we will, we will look at uh, pieces of art from... Uh, from the second or third century all the way up to today. We'll, we'll see how art has changed, the different eras of art, uh, you know, the, uh, from the classical period 
all the way through modernism, postmodernism, how the cultural thought has, has shaped how those have gone, and how the Christians uh, and even the non-Christians have been shaped by theological thought as well. And yes, we will, uh, we will hit uh, some drama. Uh, we, will, we will hit on you know, everything from, uh, and I, I hope I'm not spoiling you know, <laughs> anything right now by laying out the old class. But we will talk about the, uh, uh, you know, the, the judgment plays, you know, that were popular in the Middle Ages, uh, as, as well as uh, uh, the, uh, allegedly the first nativity play, which was staged by St. Francis of Assisi, um, uh, as as well as the conflicts about theater in the Elizabethan age, and uh, and you know other other things on up through today, um, and and so we'll hit on various uh, kinds of art. What we will end up focusing on most is visual art, but there will be a lot of literature. Uh, a bit of theater, a bit of music, and towards the end, even some film, because because uh, because all of those things, the storytelling aspect of uh, uh, of just who we are as people, ends up reflecting so much what we what we yearn for whether we know it or not, these themes in our stories that constantly end up repeated are, are yearning for redemption, are uh, the, the need we feel for sacrifice, uh, the, uh, the, the yearning we have for a good king. And so, and so these themes and many others repeat themselves Throughout time, even in thoroughly secular, thoroughly pagan stories, it's like, I see where that is going, but it's not complete. So, so those are things we'll end up picking up during that time as well and into our last few sessions as we talk about being creators and being appreciators of art. Yes, um, that mural and... I admit it was not in a glorious location. It was in a skating rink. Uh, but that also hopefully gives you the, uh, the scope of the size of the mural and why it took so long to complete it. And it was myself and one other artist. And we were given free reign and, uh, to do what we liked with it. We, we created this sort of fantasy scene uh or it's like night and dragons and everything that everything because uh we were both at that point in time uh very committed christians we we created this sort of symbolism uh within it not completely allegorical but uh but there were definitely metaphors within it that, that captured uh, theology that, that uh, 
that, you know, we discussed and kind of like, ah, we can create something beautiful that, uh, that also, you know, conveys a very positive message and the owner of the skating rink was completely on board with it. I was completely unaware that a few months later the building would be sold. <laughs> uh, and, and there is nothing more than a really black and white uh, newspaper clipping that shows part of that painting. Uh, and so it was just, it was something that, you know, I'd, I'd always feared in the back of my mind, like, like it, my, my art is disposable. This is just paint on a wall or whatever. But, you know, I'd always been very attached to it. And something like right then just, you know, absolutely crushed me. I didn't know how to recover from it uh, at, at that point. And, and so, but that's, that's what the painting was. And probably because we had invested so much thought in it and so much time, it, it, was, uh, it was something that I couldn't immediately frame in my mind. Yes. Uh, do you have any book suggestions? Yes. In fact, I will show you. I meant to bring this up earlier. These are. Uh, uh, I don't know how clearly you can see this. These are the books that uh, have really shaped me, and uh, and that I will uh, be referencing most in this class. That you. Uh, these. These will, uh, my slides for all these classes will also be on the website. Uh, they'll be uploaded with the audio for this class. Um, I would say if I were to just pick, uh, pick the most essential uh, readings up here, it would be Makoto Fujimura's uh, Art and Faith, A Theology of Making, uh, a very, very good introductory book uh, that's like this, this thick, but uh, uh, you, you can't top it as far as dealing with the Bible and art is Philip Graham Ryken's Art for God's Sake, uh, Called to Recover the Arts. Uh, it's, it's very basic, but it gets the job done. Um, also, uh, William Darnus. Visual Faith, Art, uh, the Theology, and Faith in Dialogue. Uh, that gives you a good historical background as, good, as well as just a good overall theology of art. There are other things uh, up here that have just spoken to my heart as a creator myself, uh, like Andrew Peterson's Adorning the, uh, Adorning the Dark. The, adorning the dark thoughts on uh, community calling and the mystery of making um, and uh, in any of these I can just sort of answer questions of, uh, of of what they brought into my thinking obviously any of these books I don't agree uh, with you know 100% of the time um, they are uh, uh, 
They are written by uh, fallible writers, and I am a fallible reader. Uh, and and this is this is where we are as a people. But there are uh, there are great uh, some some wonderful things to be drawn from each of these books. Any other questions? Coptic, yes, and. Uh, uh, the the brief answer is is yes, but that is uh, one area of Christian art that uh, I'm not as familiar with, but I I can easily become more familiar with, uh, you know, based on certain resources and everything. So so I will look into that and be sure to bring it in. There's. Uh, I'll be tuning in. Sure, sure, and 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 that's the thing. We're we are very aware. I'm I'm very aware, and Nick is very aware uh, that you know there are a lot of people, obviously, who are still uh, who are still streaming uh, our our services and, and not able for various circumstances to listen. And I've also you know heard. Uh, other people outside our church who want to listen to this. So, um, so all all of my slides uh, will be online. So, so if you're listening to us now, <laughs> or if you will be listening to us, know that um, th- it will be as interactive as possible. And uh, and uh, anyone can email me uh, uh, my. Uh, my emails on the uh, uh, online database, of, of course, and I can make that more available if needed. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you.